Namaste. The title of this talk is The Meaning of the Hindu Temple. In a Hindu universe, nothing is without meaning. A Hindu does nothing without a proper goal. No ritual is meaningless. That's why the rituals are created to provide meaning to life, to provide a direction to life. Similarly, the Hindu temple, the most sacred and central institution, social institution to a Hindu is obviously not without meaning. There is great symbolism to every part of the temple. There is great meaning to every module of the temple. In this talk, we will briefly discuss that. Of course, the meaning is profound. The symbolism is great and they cannot be captured within the confines of a few minutes but uh, let us uh, take this as a primer to the meaning of the Hindu temple. So the first, uh, first image that comes up uh, in your mind when you think about the Hindu temple is that it is a mini universe. When you go to the Lakshman temple Khajuraho, uh, the temple is huge, the proportions are huge and it is actually built on a very great uh, plinth, a very great Adhisthan and on the walls of this Adhisthan, it is so great, it is higher than, it is around 8 feet or so, higher than the height of a normal human being and you can see various sculpted panels. On these panels, every sort of scene is depicted. Most of the erotic scenes, the most famous erotic scenes of Khazrao are depicted on these walls uh, of the temple. Uh, so, on the other hand, there are various uh, sculpted panels which show war. So, on one hand, a great sexual activity is going on. On the other hand, a violent activity is going on. The sansar is on in its full show. There is violence, there is sex, there is uh, love, there is leisure. Someone is hunting, someone is eating, someone is playing, someone is uh, making up. And there are all sorts of uh, scenes that you can imagine that can be... Uh, confined within those four walls, they are there. So, on the outermost walls of a temple, the sansar is shown in its full proportions, everything which happens in sansar. As you start going inside the temple, these scenes will change and the number and frequency of the sculpture will also change. The frequency will decrease. As you go inside the temples, on the walls of the temple, there are a few erotic sculptures, but most of the central places, most of the dev coasts are actually uh, occupied by devtas, by the uh, deities themselves and not by any erotic sculpture. They are only on the recesses of the temple, not on the projections, not on the great projections. As you go inside the temple, uh, there are the erotic sculpture almost completely disappears. There are uh, subsidiary deities, the Navagrahas, the various other Adi Devtas. And as you keep going inside, the sculpture, the kind of deities actually keep decreasing. When you go even more inside, only the family deities are around, the great family deities. And you go inside the Garbhgrah. You do not, the devotee actually does not go inside the Garbhgrah. But when you stand and see in the Garbhgrah, there is only, often only one Vigrah of one deity. In the Garbhgrah, the Devta is alone. There is no other scene. There is no other deity. There is no activity going on. It is all very, very calm there. The only bhav there is, is Shant. And we will discuss the symbolism later of what happens when a devotee has darshan of the deity. 
but the uh, series here is that as you go from outside to inside actually the sansar disappears and which is actually the symbolism uh, which is which goes on in the personal individual quest spiritual quest of uh, us of uh, everyone that as we turn inward as we turn our attention inward in meditation in dhyan the sansar actually starts disappearing and when we are situated in samadhi when we are actually very deep in meditation the sansar disappears completely at first we focus on the devta that we are praying on the beach mantra that we are given on which we are chanting and at last the distinction even that distinction with that mantra with the deity disappears you become one with the deity the devotee becomes the deity the uh, they um, both the boundaries disappear they both become one the same thing is symbolized in the procession of a hindu temple that the sansar is present on all sides of the temple as you go inside it keeps in stages it keeps disappearing at first the most violent and the most uh, indulgent scenes disappear then the different deities smaller deities disappears disappeared and then even the smaller deities disappear and until when you go in the garbhra nothing else remains except the devta except the deity so this is a symbolism this is actually putting this inward journey of an individual who is out on the quest of self realization it is actually giving it an architectural form and i am i am not aware of any other architectural tradition which has so beautifully translated something as abstract as the journey of self realization of an individual and projected it onto the architectural idiom so beautifully and the hindu temple has done just that this is not to be seen in just one temple i am not talking of the lakshman temple khajrao uh, these uh, sorts of sculpture and this sort of scheme can be seen anywhere Uh, anywhere across all the different dravid nagar vesar <coughs> traditions and the different traditions local traditions of uh, 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 these uh, three major traditions the second great uh, symbolism of the temple is that the temple is seen as a sacred mountain and it is seen as a sacred mountain from many angles from different angles so you can see in this shot the kandri mahadev uh, temple at khajuraho you can see that at first when the devotee enters there is a beautiful toran beautiful gate and there is a very small shikhar of the uh, mukhmandap there after the mukhmandap there is the ardhmandap then there is uh, mahamandap and finally the shikhar and the height of these uh, uh, shikhars of at first mandapams and then the shikhar great shikhar they keep increasing so you can see a wonderful uh, design here it does not actually feel like only feel like uh, climbing a mountain it actually looks like a mountain so from the ardhmand mukhmandap to the um, um, shikhar of the garbhgrah it is actually great ascension it looks like a mountain it also feels like a mountain because the temple is imagined as a sacred mountain meru mountain meru has given a central place in hindu mythology it is considered the sacred mountain it is considered a mythical mountain which means it is the spiritual mountain of self realization which everyone climbs and when one is considered to be at the top of it it is considered that you have attained self realization so the top of the temple is actually right above the garbhgrah where the deity resides where the primary deity resides 
So that symbolism is exactly mirrored here of Mount Meru. And when you enter from the Mukmandap and when you go uh, stand in front of the Garbhagraha and actually have darshan of the Devta, you are actually climbing that uh, sacred mountain. So that's the symbolism which goes, the symbolism of the mountain that goes into the architecture of the temple. The other uh, way in which you can see the symbolism of a mountain in the temple is when you look at the uh, profile of the temple. You can see above the Janga, in particularly the Shekri style of Naga tradition, which you can see in this shot, that there are various small shikhars. They are called Uru shrinks or half shikhars. The small shikhars are actually uh, jumbling up in a cluster and they are climbing up one over another like the various peaks of an actual mountain. And at the top is the Amlak and the Kalash uh, above the temple, uh, Kalash above the Amlak. Uh, which is directly above the Garbhagraha. So, once again you have the image of a mountain, just like a real image of uh, a physical mountain, a mountain like Kailash, a mountain like uh, any other sacred mountain <coughs> in, uh, in this uh, sacred land of Bharatvarsh, but which is actually as we discussed, actually a great uh, uh, way of conveying the uh, mythical spiritual sense of Mount Meru. Climbing the Mount Meru means attaining self-realization, which happens when a devotee has a, an absolute darshan of the Devta, a complete darshan of the Devta, in which he forgets his own identity, in which he forgets what he actually is in this uh, particular birth, which he, in which he forgets all difference and becomes one with the Devta, loses his identity completely in the Devta who resides in the Garbhagraha. This is the um, architectural uh, counterpart of climbing the uh, Mount Meru, of uh, uh, making the journey of self-realization uh, self from outside to inside. The third symbolism of the temple is that it is imagined as a divine tree, not actually just a tree, but a confluence of two trees, one tree which is rising from the ground, another which is a tree which is upside down, which is descending from above. Before we go into that, we have to understand one another symbol which goes uh, in the building of the temple, which is at the center of the temple building tradition, but which is often not visible enough. Many do not know that beneath the main vigraha of the deity in the Garbhagraha, beneath the slab, the stone slab, underground, there is actually a kalash. Inside the, this kalash, there is a cot, a small cot, on which uh, nine grahas, navagrahas are actually kept and the kalash is sealed. This kalash is called the womb because the garbhagraha is called garbhagraha for a reason. It is the cosmic womb of this universe. Uh, the temple is imagined as we discussed earlier as a mini universe. And so that kalash and the garb itself is considered as the sacred womb. The seed of this temple is considered to be inside that Kalash. It is from there that the Pran of the temple rises. It is there that the Pran reside and expand onto and take the form of the temple. How? When a devotee has a darshan of the deity, it is believed that 
plant from that uh, sacred beach inside the underground kalash they rise and the vigraha that is in front of you it it comes alive with the energy that rises from the seed inside that kalash at the same time here you can see the consciousness the sacred consciousness uh, arising from below and there is another kalash at the top of the temple we have been discussing temple in various forms uh, now uh, outside the temple on the uppermost part of the shikhar above the amlak is another kalash this is exactly in the line with the kalash that is underground and in inside this kalash again there is that same cot again that same beach that same pran which is in the uh, kalash that is underground so the kalash is mirrored there is a kalash above there is a kalash uh, underground there is a beach underground and there there is a bree uh, there is a beach a seed which is you can say the heavens or uh, in the in, in the other universe in the other world when darshan takes place when the act of darshan takes place it is believed that the consciousness from below arises and there is a descent of consciousness from above, uh, from above and they meet in between where the vigraha of the deity is and this happen this divine undertaking happens when a priest invokes <coughs> the uh, deity when the priest invokes the uh, supreme consciousness and if the deity at that same time if the deity is in front of the deity then he uh, partakes the divine undergoing the, the divine descent and ascent of consciousness that is happening there if at that perfect moment he is right there then he becomes one with the deity that divine ascent and descent of consciousness actually becomes his and he forgets his own identity as we discussed earlier and he becomes one with the deity he once again attains the goal of self realization uh, albeit momentarily this is a symbolic act of it if you keep doing it you will get situated into it permanently but this is the symbolism of the temple that it is actually the vigraha is the place where the ascent of and descent of consciousness takes place and the act of darshan that's why it is called darshan the temple is a place to do a lot of things as we'll discuss later but primarily it is also a place where you pray to uh, pray to the gods pray to the deities but it is also most primarily a place where darshan takes place and darshan is not to see somebody else <coughs> when you go to a temple you do not see differences when you go to a temple when you are in the garbhagriha remember that all differences all uh, separateness of the universe has started disappearing and when you are actually in front of the garbhagriha all of this distinct quality of the universe all of this separateness of different individuals it has disappeared completely there is only the deity and if you forget yourself into the deity into that divine descent and ascent of consciousness then that goal is once again achieved so this is the symbolism of temple as a sacred tree that the, there is a beach a cosmic seed underground there is a cosmic seed above and this uh, descent and ascent of consciousness is also mirrored on the walls of the outside walls of the temple too when you see the jangha you can actually see that uh, in shikhar as if an upside uh, down tree is there 
and uh, the roots are above and then the branches are going and there is a tree which is going from the ground and the branches of both the trees are actually meeting somewhere uh, around the janga and janga is where most of the sculpture is uh, is situated most of the dev coast and other attend, uh, attendant deities attendant beings are there so the two trees meet and this uh, divine metaphor of the temple as a sacred tree is, uh, becomes complete even on the outside walls of uh, of a hindu temple now the third and the last most important symbolism of the hindu temple is it is also imagined as a sacred fire as a yagna vedi because there are various books various scholars various uh, uh, research papers various studies which prove and our scriptures are all actually more than complete in uh, connecting the hindu temple to the yagna vedi to the vedic yagna vedic sacrifice that used to happen the connection is direct when a yadik, vedic yagna was happening and uh, the priests and the, those who were uh, taking part in the vedic yagna they would invoke actually a deity and in that uh, sacred fire uh, they would invoke a deity they would imagine a deity and they uh, that's where the deity used to come when in the later ages our sages thought that not everyone could take part of a vedic yagna because you had to uh, it was not a method of exclusion it was a very technical job not everyone was uh, qualified to chant those sacred mantras to live that lifestyle perfectly uh, to be able to perform the yagna because they would go not just on for hours but for days and months and years on end sometimes so a very uh, very uh, you can say a strict lifestyle had to be followed not everyone was able to do it sanatan dharm did not prefer forcing a lifestyle on anyone who did not want to be but in order to take the knowledge of the Ved- vedas knowledge of uh, or the benefit of vedic yagna to every uh, to everyone and everywhere our sages then actually imagined of a temple in a temple you can imagine that a yagna vedi is permanently situated in earlier times when a yagna uh, would happen uh, the yagna vedi was there when the yagna was completed successfully it would be dismantled in a temple you can imagine that the yagna vedi actually exists permanently the plan of the garbhagriha is very uh, is just like a yagna vedi it is a square at the center of it which is called the garbhasthana uh, where the sacred fire used to be there is actually the vigraha of the deity so the symbolism here is actually complete just like uh, the vedic rishis those who participated in the vedas would perform a yagna and they would invoke a deity uh, in a hindu temple just to take the benefit to everyone even those who could not live uh, with the achar of uh, someone who is supposed to perform these duties even they could partake of this uh, uh, divine undertaking how because there would be priests who would be living a life as is expected of someone who is performing a vedic yagna or a duty as sacred as taking care of a temple he would be living with all the charya that undergoes such a life and all the agamas which actually uh, the agamas are the sacred texts which uh, do not just instruct on how to build a temple but also instruct on uh, what is the what should be the lifestyle of the priest what should be the, uh, the lifestyle of those who create the temple the sculptors the architects 
the iconographers and also those also uh, the lifestyle of the devotees now the priest lives a very uh, strict a very uh, disciplined lifestyle because uh, only uh, one priest only the chief priest can actually go in most traditional temples can actually go to the garbhagriha can actually touch the deity and it's a very hard lifestyle not everyone can do it because he has to cook for himself he has to wear only a certain kinds of clothes he has to wash his own clothes and uh, if, even if he goes to the toilet once he has to take bath all over again because uh, he has to perform worship um, uh, uh, offer worship at the temple to the deity at least 3 to 5 times a day so it's not uh, something which is in the capacity of everyone so the priest lives that lifestyle and on the behalf of the devotee he offers the worship of the devotee to the deity so without actually living the lifestyle this does not mean that anything goes that you can behave anyway but without actually living the very strict lifestyle uh, that goes into uh, someone who takes care of a temple or someone who offers uh, uh, puja or someone who undertakes a yagya actually even those who are not able to do it they are also able to partake the divine undertaking the darshan that is that happens at the in a temple that's why these temples were devised and the iconography uh, uh, many scholars have traced the iconography hindu iconography directly from the vedas and which is very true the iconography was not invented 1005 years uh, 500 years ago it was there the iconography uh, was not invent invented 1500 years ago it was there even in the vedas and very scholars have actually traced the evolution of hindu iconography to the vedas and that's why in this sense the hindu temple uh, was also imagined as a sacrificial fire thank you